Hey Warriors and welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. Um, just a little update. We're almost there. We just have one little thing we have to work with the, the bank and then we can start moving forward a bit. I'm excited and you know just keep praying that things will just work out. Things will come together that you know the, that God knows what's going on. He knows what's pre-planned for us and we just gotta trust in him and believe that whatever he decides to do you know it'll, it'll just It'll just come together and I'm, I'm not worried i'm not frustrated you know I'm, I'm still trying to gather around my whole mindset about the vision for the church you know there's so many different things that my wife and i have talked about and you know you could pray for that for me too to clarify the vision down a bit so that it's you know i could present it with people and and share with people without being so detailed i guess would be the best way to describe it but um, it's getting there. Um, we're definitely, you know, standing. We want to stand around the verse of uh, Acts 2.42 and actually even 43. You know, the idea is to make that be kind of the pillar of how we want to do church. So if you want to pray, pray for that. Um, a real quick uh, advertisement of sorts. Uh, a friend of mine, um, he's been trying to advertise for his uh, custom, I guess you could say, custom knife and sword business that he has. Um, if you, some of you guys have probably have already noticed that I had put it on the page, the Facebook page, which if you haven't joined, please join. Um, on there, it's called the RNC Knife Company, and he has a deal going on, but it's limited time. I think it's like December fifth, maybe. Um, but it's a deal that he'll have to uh, on on supply. You know, get thirty percent off, basically. But the idea is it's on there. If you haven't wanted information, you can connect through that. I, I know a few people have already reached out to him, but, you know, it would be a really huge blessing for him and his family. He also has um, another child coming, I believe, is next March of next year. And, you know, he's a younger guy, but he does a good job. Um, he has pictures of other things he's done. I think I even shared another picture, but I, I may put it up there. But he actually made a... Uh, gladian sword for a pastor a friend of mine and then and he he's using it for his sermon example but it looks amazing so if you want to take time you're looking for you've always thought about getting a custom build weapon or i should say knife sword type deal you know this is your chance um he he works hard it's a trade that he likes to do um it's not his main main trade but i'm sure if things were flowing he'd probably stick to it so um you know, pray about it if you need to, you know, put some money aside for it, but reach out to him. Uh, it'd be maybe a really good Christmas gift for a friend. You know, if any ladies there looking for a good gift for her husband or maybe boyfriend that, that loves stuff like this, reach out. Um, he, he is only in the USA. So if you're out of country, I'm sorry, but if you're in the USA, he can do it. So reach out to him. It's on the Facebook page right now. Um, if you're not on it, get on it. I'll put the link in again in the podcast so you can look at it. Anyway, so what are we going to talk about this week? So this week, I had a lot of things going on through my head, but one of the things that's been kind of coming up still regularly, and I know we've talked about progressive Christianity, but this is more of what a progressive Christian kind of also leans towards. It's called cherry picking Christian is what it's the phrases I'm using. And I was talking with another friend the other day. And one of the things that she also noticed is that a lot of times Christians don't get along because they focus on the, the theology, but not in the right way to each other. 
but we also notice that a lot of people are accepting ideals and and progressive mindset in Christianity that's not biblical. And that is an issue because what it's what's happening is, and I even saw it in like the teenagers I dealt with in the past, is that real life, the real relationships they have, the relationship they have with God, the relationship they have with their family, the relationship they have with the church, are almost in, in a lot of ways separate. They're like in different categories. So one does not affect the other per se. So the problem is that they're getting engraved in with biblical knowledge and understanding, right? The negative problem for it is that they haven't been able to applicate that understanding into their life correctly. So that's why we have many Christians who see nothing wrong with homosexuality because they, they lean towards that Jesus is love. But the problem is that, you know, it's, it's an interesting perspective to look at it, but the problem is that instead of being a Christian who follows Christ and follows the scriptures of truth, they have become more of they focus on what Jesus said and not scripture as a whole. So they focus on the life of Jesus and they use the examples and those experiences to try to depict what it means to be a Christian. You know, the word you pick, pick, you know, connection starting to connect right there. But the idea is they start nitpicking or cherry picking parts of scripture that fits more aligned with their view when it's supposed to be the other way around. We are supposed to fit our view in God's view. And then from there, if any view outside of God's view doesn't match with scripture, doesn't match with what God says, we're not supposed to accept it as part of our religious truth. So instead of seeing Christians standing up for truth, we see Christians standing up for agendas. We see them standing up for belief structures. They see them standing up for businesses, for parties, like I'm talking political parties, so that they basically replace God, the scriptures, and and following Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and they separate it and start trying to see how what they want to believe in or what they want to support fits into the Bible. And if it doesn't, then they make sure they cherry pick stuff to make it work. So, you know, scripture says to love your neighbor as yourself. And we kind of talked about this, the golden rule. So we focus so much on the golden rule that we forget that the first rule is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So if you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, that means you have to accept the scriptures and the truths that he has in scripture, all of it, as your foundational world view. You see, to have a worldview means that you have some form of absolute truth that you're going to believe in, whether it's scriptural or worldly. And the thing is that the, the interesting part about 
God's worldview, the word absolute means it doesn't change. But in the world's worldview, absolutes exist until the rules change. So there was a time where when we looked, they looked at homosexuality as a sin, but now we're living in a time where it doesn't. So an absolute was existing at one point, but now today a new absolute has been created because the, a new philosophy is being pushed in. Love is love. So now you're redefining that love, it doesn't matter what age or how old or how young or how connected or whatever it may be, there is no defining truth. No, because there's going to be a time where I think even pedophilia is going to be okayed. That's going to start looking like the normal. And you could say how disgusting that is. Oh, that never. Well, we never thought that homosexuality was going to be accepted as a norm either. We also didn't think that divorce was going to be acceptable either. But as you could see, times have changed. Philosophies have changed. Views have changed. So now the worldview has changed its worldview. So that's why I would actually say, does the worldview have an absolute? No. Because it's always redefining what an absolute is. An absolute is what God has steamed and stated and written down. He has never changed. He's never contradicted himself. Everything in scripture is all connected. See, the key thing about all this is that scripture is connected. We forget that we we can't we kind of forget that we're supposed to take the whole bible as a whole when we're dealing with understanding but instead we try to nitpick verses that support a view that we want and i've seen this very often especially a lot in in some of the uh, friends in my life have kind of stated statements and those i've had discussions with they don't like talking about it because if if you nitpick you know, they, they take the verses they want to support a view that they have and you point out, hey, that's not in part of the, you know, the context of where you got it from. Then they get mad and they instead of actually go, oh, you know what, you might be right. And instead, they either get angry, remove you as a friend or they push you away. Because they don't want to, they, if they start questioning this, then they have to question everything else that they've been believing because they have so far up to this point have trained up their minds and their hearts to view a certain way of viewing things. You see, if you go to second Timothy three and you go down to the last part of it, um, we all know verses basically 16 to 17, but if you start I believe verse 13 says, while evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Now, what it's talking about, because you take this context of where it's at, it's talking about those Jews who have known the Old Testament, the sacred writings. Okay. Then it continues as which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Because you remember, New Testament Bible didn't part of the Bible did not exist by this time. This was a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. 
Okay, so this was not a sacred writing that was accepted in the canon at the time when it was written. So the only so-called canon they had was the Old Testament. And he's clarifying that if you have the wisdom and understanding of the of the Old Testament, then you know salvation through faith in Christ was already pre-planned. Okay? This is why the next two verses are, are important to this. Because it says in verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped with every good work. So knowing this, this is also depicting the Old Testament as all scriptures, but also expressing that there would be future scriptures because we have the rest of the canon. So all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, training, and righteousness. So the idea is, if you're going to cherry pick whatever you want out of all the scriptures from old and new, just to create your worldview in the way that you want to see, you are not doing what the scriptures are telling you here. All scripture is breathed. That means all of it is God's word, his, his breath. He's speaking. He's giving you truth. And you got to accept it all. So you can't say, oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't really follow the certain parts of the scriptures that talk about this area of belief. Because, you know, one, I enjoy having sex with women. So therefore, I don't want to talk about the fact that you're not supposed to do it unless you're married. Because, you know, I don't want to believe that. Or, you know, the typical stuff right now, you know, well, abortion. Abortion, it's a woman's body. She should have to do whatever she wants. But yet in scripture, it talks about don't murder a human being. You see how that contradicts just straight up? So what do you have to do to justify this worldview? Well, you got to believe, well, a baby ain't a baby until it comes out of the person's body. Right? Isn't that what the world teaches? See, you have to twist the words up. You have to change the identity and the definition of things, words, beliefs, history. You got to redefine it all to be able to justify a, a, a worldview that you want to stand behind. Okay. So this is why knowing all of your scripture, spending time in God's word, hiding it in your heart, knowing it and standing by it, believing in it and understanding that it's absolute. So it doesn't change is vital. If you want to believe, well, maybe people had messed with it and controlled it or influenced it or didn't put all of it in or chosen. Do you honestly think that a God as powerful as he is, our father, our creator, would not protect God's word at all? And that all of these people have been deceived for all these centuries? Because I don't. I believe he has taken the canon, he has placed it the way it's supposed to, even if he used evil people to do it like King James for his his own selfish needs, God still was implanting the idea of canon, just as like I also think that some of the things the Catholics have taught were biblical. It doesn't mean that I'm a Catholic. It does not believe I believe what the Roman Catholic Church did was what God wanted. They did a lot of evil things. But does not mean that some of the teachings and the ideas and, and even words that they were able to create wasn't because God influenced it. 
because I do believe God influence. I don't think God just kind of lets go because, you know, that's what Deus, uh, I think it's Deus, no, I can't remember, uh, believe that God kind of wind up the clock and just kind of threw the world into existence and then he just sits there and watches. And then therefore he may force something to happen, but he doesn't really influence anything. No, no, I think God's involved. I think he knew that, you know, the Roman uh, papal state was going to be uh, established and he knew what they were going to do. It wasn't a surprise to him. But I also do think there's other churches that were hiding in the underground because one of the things the Catholic Church was good at was getting rid of the competition. So I'm sorry if any of you guys are Catholics. It's not offending. This is just what historical values that I was taught. Um, you can believe what you want to believe, but I didn't. I did not say, and I'm going to clarify. I did not say that nobody that's a Catholic is not a Christian. If you believe that Jesus died for you and he died on the cross and that he's died for your sins and you accept what he has done, I do believe that you're a Christian. Now, that's just the thing is, you know, theology will get in the way. So I want to clarify, I am not saying I hate Catholics. I am not saying that I, I disagree that Catholics are not saved and not say any of that. I'm just pointing out historical stuff that has happened. So I do know that there was things that Catholics were able to do in the Roman Catholic Empire. I'm not talking about necessarily now the Roman Catholic Empire. And I also know there was underground churches that were also doing things as well. Um, but God has taken care of his word. And now we fast forward over to, you know, current last 10, 10 years. And we get to see how progressiveness and postmodernist views have now come in and clouded into the view. Do we dismiss that? Or do we accept these views because they're progressive? This is something I want you to think about when we take a quick break. Welcome back. And this is the second half of the conversation based on cherry picking. So we talked about how things have changed today and how progressiveness and postmodern thinking has gotten in the way. Because postmodern thinking, if you don't know what this worldview is, is that opinion, where they don't believe necessarily in absolutes. They believe that opinion has more of a, of a struggle. So even though I could say murder is wrong, someone can say, well, murder is wrong only if, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they live by example. And then someone say, well, no, no, I don't believe that. I think, I think it's only this. So if there's no absolute, so if I can remove the idea that murder is wrong, straightforward so it doesn't matter if it's a baby um, person if I could just say you know murder is wrong but so now I add something else so God says murder is murder period there's no but okay um, you're, you're re-eventing the absolute to not have because if you have and but that means there's no actual ground so it could be it could be taken removed or changed in any way you want right I mean think about it if I say stealing is wrong, but then you turn around and say, well, it's not wrong if it helps my family. Well, now you're redefining what the what it means to say that stealing is an absolute wrong. Because now you're removing the word absolute and just saying stealing is wrong, but there's these cases. Lying. Lying in God's eyes, lying is wrong. It's an absolute. No, don't lie. But then people say, well, it's only, it lines only bad if it hurts someone. And I've heard this before. Or one big, big example, like I said, you know, kids were going to 
event with their family and one of the kids is 14 13 was the like the mark where you you like it goes 13 as a child and below and now they're 14 so now they're not they don't get the child price so they told them the lie about their age and and they did it because it saved their family money see now you're justifying lying when it's a when it does good but you know i also use the example but once if you were a german in world war ii and you have two Jew girls that are trying to escape being captured or killed by the by the Nazis and the Nazis come to your door and ask do you have any Jewish girls do you have any Jews here and you lie to protect them now, I don't have an answer for that but I want you to think about that question if you lie and say you don't was that wrong but let's say you tell the truth and you say yes you do and they find them they take them was that wrong because you know what's going to happen to them you see, there is debatable questions that you can actually ask yourself, but the truth is you got to define what lying is. Is lying wrong? I want you to think about that this week too. Anyway, going back to first talk. So one verse I remember growing up, I don't know if you guys have memorized this, but this was a verse that I was taught when I was a kid and I remember it's Psalms 119, 105. Five, um, King James version is how I was taught. So thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And that's always st- stood with me. It's always been a verse that's never been lost. It's never um, been forgotten. And, and it's the cool part about some verses just stick with you. Um, but this imagery is a beautiful imagery of God's word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Okay. So the imagery that it's basically telling you, and I always pictured it this way, imagine walking on a path and, it, and it's a dense forest all around. You can't see hardly anything. The, bu- the brush and the bushes are just so thick that the only way for you to truly see what's in the forest is for you to explore into the forest, right? But you can only see a, maybe a step or two ahead of you, right? God's word will steer every step that you take. It will light the path ahead of you, but it may not light the path way ahead of you. Because if you think about it, if you have a lamp, and we're not talking about like those power, high-powered flashlights that basically can blind a man to death, um, we're talking like a regular lamp, you know that there's a distance, and even old flashlights, there's a distance amount that you can see ahead of you. But if you also notice, it does not clarify everything around you. It usually just clarifies a certain distance in front of you. So the cool part of understanding God's word is that it's 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 understanding it's it's alive for one. It has breath. That means it's alive. That it only allows us to see a certain distance ahead of what we need to see. That's God's leading through his word. Because one of the things I've understood about all this is that if you are given everything and you can see everything, would you have the same type of faith if you only saw a little bit at a time? You see, if God gives you the answer at the end, you know, even if he tells you today, I want you to be a pastor, okay? 
but you don't know how to get there. You don't know how long the journey it is to get there. But you've been told you're going to be a pastor. And I was told in 2002. It is now 2021. And I'm finally going to get to take that step understanding what that could possibly be. And that's still unknown ground. Because even though I can see I'm starting a church, I'm planning it. I still don't know what God's going to do with it. I only know that it's possible now. Okay. So that's why I mean, if he told, if he showed me in 2021, back in 2002, that I was going to be a pastor of a church, what do you think I would probably do? I probably would try to figure out every way to be able to get to that point without going through the journey that he needed me to be on, to be the type of man he needed me to be as a pastor for this time frame. And as a growing man of God, and that's the same for you. So even if God has given you a direction and, and you believe he's taking you somewhere and you think you know where it's going, understand that every aspect, every part of that path that you are going on is pre-planned to get you ready for that end point that he needs, or at least that next stage he has, because it's not really an end point. So the idea is that if you accept the whole, if you accept the scriptures as a whole, you got to understand that it's teaching you each step that you take. So that's why it's very important that it's not about you taking what you want to believe and shoving into scripture and making it work. It's taking the scripture to create a worldview. So the path that you're looking at that you see is God's path and not your own. It's not the world's path. There's so many Christians right now that they think they're walking this path straight ahead. But in reality, they're wandering in the forest because they want to fit in with the rest of the people that are also wandering in the forest lost. The only difference is they have a little bit of light because they do believe in God and they do have something. But every time the, the path keeps leading right back to this main path... They avoid that because they, if they do that, then they can't believe some aspects of the world as okay and acceptable. That's why it's so hard for hundreds and thousands of Christians right now to go back and say homosexuality is wrong. Because all they see is a bunch of people that love each other. Well, I, I know someone who's homosexual and they, they love their partner. What's wrong with that? Well, it's not biblical. That's okay, but they love each other. See, the, the definition of truth is the absolute is love is love, which is not biblical. We just talked about that like a couple podcasts ago. Love is not love. Love is defined by loving a the God of creation. You know him. So you're going to hate what he hates and love what he loves. And that's in scripture too. You see, that's the battle, the struggle that I see today. And we seem to kind of just remove that because if we, if we believe this, then we can't say to people, we can't say to them, yeah, you're, you're innocent. You are wrong. Because if we do that, we will hurt people's feelings. And I think that's where we struggle the most about our walk. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. But in, in the end, though, if you don't say this, 
then you're going to struggle with what you need to know, the truth that you're supposed to stand by. And I, and I don't know about you, but if you were given the choice between loving God, trusting in God, and at the end, knowing what Revelations tells you is going to happen, okay, do you want to trust in other humans and, and believe these other humans? Or do you want to believe in the God that created you? And his truth. So at the end, God wins. That's why you got to be careful about these choices that you make. And, and the skipping of truth instead of accepting of truth. Because, you know, in John 14, 23, it states, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him. We will come unto him and make our abode him you see the choice is yours of whether you want to accept what god has stated or you can not because in verse 24 it says he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings and the word which you hear is not mine but the fathers which sent me these things I have spoken unto you being yet present with you. And then he talks about the Holy Spirit, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So you got to understand when you're studying God's word, you know it. See, the disciples and all those that followed him in that time frame got to hear him physically speak and preach and teach. But we don't get that. We get the canon New Testament. And so we also get the Holy Spirit. Which is the other key part of why cherry picking exists. When people start cherry picking, I honestly don't know if they actually understand the Holy Spirit or even know the Holy Spirit. Because there's no way that the Holy Spirit knowing truth, right? Being that it is God... And spirit indwelling in us, there's no way that it would accept a sin as being normal. There's another set of verses in Psalm 19 that I also had memorized and as a young person too, was Psalms 119, 10, and 11. It says, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, the key thing is we are willing to sin against God so we don't hurt people's feelings. That's basically what cherry picking allows. And we don't see it that way because we're like, well, I'm not hurting anyone. Well, no, you're hurting God, but you're more concerned about hurting someone who's in sin, not living a life they're not supposed to over God. I'm not saying you should be running around condemning people, but you shouldn't be running around accepting people in their sin. And this is a kind of an issue that I see. And it's not just with homosexuality. It's with adultery. It's with um, divorce. It is with uh, young people sleeping around with their boyfriend or girlfriends. It's men who are basically not leading their home and hiding and 
not being the spiritual leaders like they're supposed to because they work too hard. There's a lot of different things we can all put on this. It's why it's so important to build around the understanding that we need to teach the gospel. We need to preach about sin. We need to repent and see repenting. But the main thing is praying together in unison because that's the key thing. We have created individualism as the key thing for a church as well. So people don't like being around each other as much. They rather, you know, hey, we'll spend time worship together and pray together at church. But the rest of the week is my thing. And that's how we also treat God. Oh, God, I give you my Sundays, but the rest of the week is my time. So now we don't spend time in God's word. We don't study. We don't pray. We don't talk with each other and challenge each other, encourage one another in our walks. So instead of building up a concept of understanding, we become cherry picking Christians. So we pick whatever stuff that we want from the scripturalism of Christianity, the spiritualism of Christianity to fit our lifestyle. So we love worship. So we'll praise God on a daily basis and, and worship. But then around the corner, you know, we're cussing a storm and hanging out with a bunch of thugs or, you know, you know, I'm, I'm in the worship leader group. I, you know, I'm, I'm really strong Christian, but Hey, I'm sleeping with my boyfriend or Hey, I'm sleeping with my girlfriend because, you know, we love each other because love is love. See how it's easily just kind of just flows right out of my mouth. That's because that's how easy it is. Because we, if we can basically justify our worldview, cherry pick what we want to, to believe in, you know, we could start also saying, well, hey, you know, Jesus died for me, so I'm safe. So therefore, even though I'm sleeping with my boyfriend or girlfriend, it's not a big deal, right? Because Jesus saved me. I'm not hurting him. I'm not hurting her because we're in our consent. But the idea is that God said, no, marriage, get married, then you can have all the sex you want. But you see how easy it is just to manipulate and change wording? Because if you could justify it enough to believe that it's okay, you know, you may disagree, but as long as it's okay, you know, as long as you're not sleeping around with other women, you know, you just pick that one, you know, you should be good. You know, well, I think you guys will be there for, you know, be with each other forever, but then you break up like a year later. But how, how much time did you spend with each other intimately like you shouldn't have? And now she's going to take a bit of you with her to the next relationship and you vice versa, the next relationship. See, there is consequences. We just don't see it when, when bad things aren't happening. We don't see the consequences. So therefore we think, Hey, well, nothing bad has happened. So therefore it must be good. But you see, that's the worldview of the world. Because if they can hide the wrong enough where the good outweighs the bad, hey, it's kind of a work system. So if I do enough good stuff out of the bad versus bad out of the bad, then it's not as bad. That's why we have people who say, well, at least I'm not Hitler. Well, no, you're not. But, you know, sin in God's eyes is going to be equal in God's eyes in the sense that you being a liar all your life versus someone who murdered a bunch of Jews, you, if you don't accept Christ as your savior, repent and, 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 and walk in the walk, you know, you, you may have gained so-called fire insurance, maybe because in scripture, it identifies if you truly accept Christ and what he has done, you will see change. But if you accept Christ and you're still living like you're like, like the world, I would actually wonder about myself. Am I truly following Christ? Am I truly saved by him? See, 
there's the thing is that you got to understand how important and vital it is to stop cherry picking. If your view, your worldview that you want to believe in does not fit in scripture, then it should not be a part of your life. This is out of everything I have said. That's the one thing I want you to think about this week, this moment, right now. If you have a worldview that does not fit in scripture, remove it from your worldview. And I know this may not be easy for some because if you have a kid who's a homosexual, it doesn't mean you stop loving them. It just means you stop accepting their lifestyles. Okay, and pray that they repent. You don't have to be preaching about it in their face, but you can pray the Holy Spirit will hit them hard and remind them of who who they are if they were saved. You know, if they are saved at the time, you know, at a point. But maybe if they were never, maybe you need to start praying that Jesus will reach out to them that they accept him as their savior because sometimes I do think people think that they were safe, but there's all this stuff, this fruit that's not showing that they were. And it's because they did just, they did the prayer, but they didn't really truly understand or accept it truly. So they've been living in a lie. And I've met several people who always thought they were saved, but they actually got saved later because they, they realized they were never saved. So it's not an unpossibility. But today, all of you that are listening to me today, I want you to understand this one thing. If a worldview that you stand behind does not fit in scripture, remove it from your worldview. Let's pray. Dearly Father, thank you for this time. I pray that you even remove things that I may be holding on to that should not be a part of my worldview because it's not what your scriptures say. Please do that. But any man or even woman who may be listening today, help them to remove a worldview that they have accepted because the world says it's okay and because some Christians say it's okay, but your truth, your scripture says it's not. Help them to remove it and have the confidence and the courage to do so, but they can do it in a way that doesn't mean that they have to remove everybody who may be living behind that type of sin lifestyle or view but that they can live outright in your truth and be the example and light to these people and pray for these people. The key thing is praying for one another. We need to be praying that each other that will walk in truth, that will stay upright, that will, will follow your word, that will believe in your word. We'll trust in your word and accept it as a whole and not as a cherry pick buffet of truth. So, Lord, I, I just ask that you move in these men today, that you would just change their hearts, that you would help them to stop cherry picking your truth and accept it, live by it, and remove anything that's keeping them from being able to see it 100% as an absolute in their life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. This might be a little bit longer because of some of the conversation, plus you know, a little bit of the, you know, the beginning. But anyways, I really hope you guys have a blessed week. And I really hope you really think about this. Look at your worldview. Is there stuff in that worldview that doesn't fit God's word? Remove it. Because if you want to be followers of God, you want to be men of God, you want to be warriors of God, you got to be followers of God. So I'll see you guys next week and enjoy your week. God bless.